stand up for yourself and I'll back you up cause problems don't solve themselves I'll tell you what instead of would or could I think you should draw a line in the sand and stand your ground it's for your own good Hello, I want to welcome you to another episode of The Voice of Families and Addiction. My name is Roy Poyan, and I'll be your host today. We're going to be working again from the book, Reentry Curriculum, Merging Two Worlds, and you can download that as a PDF on our website, familiesimpactedbyopioids.com. Today we're going to look at finances. Um, there, there's, this is a topic that everybody gets involved in. Because you're either, you're either, it's so finite, it's so obvious, it, it's so like you can't hide it. Uh, and and it, it is personal. And, and it seems like, well, boy, everybody's like understanding my finances. And before this all happened to me, you know, I didn't have to like explain myself. Well, this did happen to you. And a part of how well you're doing is your financial position. And if you truly want to let people in, and you're going to be somewhat vulnerable, and you want to be selective, real selective. I mean, like, real selective with who knows about your finances. But there certainly would be key people, hopefully, that you could trust. I would be very guarded to giving anybody authority, meaning you're always the final and only decision maker on your finances. But getting people's advice about your finances is very healthy. So just understand the two. Um, I, I, I worked in an area of bridges, bridges to poverty, and it was, it was very evident that in many cases, uh, people that found themselves in poverty and they felt kind of stuck, one of the aspects that I noticed was their willingness to share their poverty with others who are in poverty. And I think that that's a very, like, very kind and, 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 and I think only very spiritually connected uh, thing to do. At the same time, you have to be pragmatic. You can give more to somebody else especially from the overflow of your glass than you can if your glass never gets full. So the first thought is fill your glass with the you know, finances that you need. And if you're going to share, don't share from what, the, what comes from within the glass. Share from the overflow of the glass. And, and then just become more productive and more profitable. And that's the way that wealthy people share. They don't, they don't get wealthy because... And I, I'm saying wealthy, you know, wealthy doesn't mean like $2 million wealthy. Well, wealthy could be anything above poverty level, you know, is, is considered, you know, wealth. Our wealth in terms of what we in America would see as being wealthy is far different from what they might see themselves in, in uh, some of the Polynesian nations or Vietnam, uh, although their, their quality of life is growing too because of the work they're doing. So in that mind, set we need to understand what our finances are and we will always be in control of our finances but we might possibly share that profile with others to get their input on how you can become more wealthy once again you'll never you'll never reach better wealth by giving away the wealth that you have first okay so with that being said let's go through on page 107 and um as I said, you can download this from our website as a PDF. And it's housing, health, car estimate, 
These are like some of the real basics on a monthly budget strategy. Your utilities for housing, your clothing, your telephone. So like the housing might be $300. Boy, was this written a while ago. <laughs> but anyhow, your housing might be $300, your utilities is 60, your clothing is around 100, and your telephone is around 50. Okay, those are like fixed costs. They, they don't vary from month to month. Your health insurance, you got to pay for it. It's 45 dental, got to pay for it. 35 prescriptions, got to pay for it. 25. Those are more or less fixed costs, you, meaning they're expenses, and, and you're going to have to pay them. Uh, your car, your car payment, gasoline, insurance, and food and housing maintenance, paper products, uh, and eating out. Well, now we're getting into some areas that have some uh, variability to it, meaning, you know, you might not go out as often in order to save some money because you're going to spend that money in, a, in another area. Uh, but your insurance and your payment, pretty much, you know, depending on where you're going this week, uh, your, 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 your car gas is going to be pretty standard throughout each week. Your cable bill, okay, and if you have any credit card debt, hopefully it's not accumulating, that would be something that is variable, meaning there's fixed and there's variable. The, 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 the expenses of payment for a car, your health insurance, utilities, these are all fixed. And, and the others uh, tend to be variables. So we're moving from page 107 to 108. And we're going to look at a budget. So you see how it says old in one column and then new, it's blank. So what you're going to do is you're going to add, you know, um, uh, you know some, some like criteria and say, okay, what if you saved about 10% of your income, okay, and what if you said you had to manage that? Uh, so you have what they call, I don't mean to get technical here, but they call it discretionary income, meaning it's to your discretion how you, how you spend it. So it's like, um, I want this, I need this, uh, you know, I desire this, all falls into discretionary so uh, what, what we're going to start to do is we're, we'll take the, the telephone. Can that change? Yeah, actually, the, the bill could go up. Um, can, can your health insurance change? Sure, prescriptions, absolutely. So when you start to look at new, you might say, well, I used to be paying you know, $35 for dental, but because the insurance went up, I'm now paying $62. Well, okay, believe it or not, that didn't seem like a lot, but when you start to add up this new column, it could be that you're in a much different place on your expenses, meaning they're much greater. They could go from fourteen hundred to uh, you know, seventeen hundred. We see this in this like economy right now. The, the year to date right now is two thousand and twenty-three, and our government is really messing up our economy. So all they need to do is turn on the energy. But let's not go there. With that in mind, the fact is we're getting hit with inflation now, and that does create a new column here. And a lot of people in America have had to go and create their new columns quickly. Uh, if they were smart, they readjusted their budget and they're moving their money around, meaning they may not be spending as much on clothing this, this year in order that they could kind of cut down the, the inflation on their grocery bills and you know, maybe leave themselves a little bit of money for going out and, and doing something that makes you know, their life seem higher quality. So with that in mind, we're going from page 108 to 109, and we're going from our budget to our planning. Okay, so what is it that you need to kind of like set aside? You know what your fixed expenses are. Let's say rent's 250. 
um, the weekly amount to set aside is $88, okay, in order that you can match up with that 250 number. The week that, the month that, uh, on that month, the utilities is 40. So you need to set aside $10. Uh, transportation, 172. So you set aside $40. You need to understand what you need to set aside each week based on the fixed monthly cost so that when you add up what you set aside, it matches or, you know, it comes, it comes uh, you know, over the amount that you've saved and set aside, what it is that is your actual expense. So with that in mind, we're moving to 110. And now you're, you're kind of like dividing um, by number of weeks, four weeks in a month, your monthly. Your monthly rent, your monthly utilities, your monthly car, your monthly food, your monthly laundry. Divide each by four, and that's going to tell you what you need to set aside. Please do this. If somebody were to sit there and you sat down at the family table and they were to sit there and say, hey, Jerry, so what's your set aside uh, for your rent? You should be able to tell them that. I, I set aside $76 each week in order that I can match my, my, my monthly rent payment. And I'm doing very well with that. Um, matter of fact, I'm using a little bit of money from what I used to use for my clothing in order to have that set aside available for my rent. See how this works? You, you commonly hear the phrase, robbing Paul to pay Peter. And in a sense, that's what a lot of financial planning is. But with that in mind, you start to look at your budget, okay? What do you need each month? What do you need in income each month in order that you could pay for these things? And that's on 111. And then, well, remember how in the other one we uh, episode, we, we talked about expect the unexpected, okay? And um, that was part of expectations. And the fact is, you, you need to expect the unexpected. She's pregnant, all right? That's great news. And we're going to have the baby, and now we need to get real with our budget. She, the, the child's not here yet, but, you know, let's say it's born healthy. You know, you're going to need a crib, 230. You're going to need a rocking chair, 200. You're going to need a swing at 50, a porter crib at 150, a legal car seat at 150, a stroller at 200, changing table at 100, camera at 200. You can read this list on, on page 112, but, you know, let's say somebody donates to you a diaper bag or a baby bathtub or photo album book or, you know, maybe you get packages of diapers from a local uh, food bank or, you know, resource uh, 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 provider in your community. So you now, you know, you're gathering together all of these things. This was not a part of your original budget when the baby was not being expected or, or is currently in your life now, maybe through adoption. So with that in mind, or maybe you're taking care of, it's a kinship situation, and now all of a sudden you're taking care of your daughter's child. Um, as opposed to them going into foster care. There's just lots of explosions to a budget is what we're explaining here. And in, and in 113, you know, there's other things that, that happen. Uh, a person moves into your house, a, a death in the family takes place. Um, so we, we need to plan on, you know, take a look at your, where you are in your family, where you're in your life, and consider what could go wrong, and then take a look at your numbers on your budget and say, how would my budget change? This is really good content for us to consider.
the financial responsibilities and the lack thereof could almost put you back into incarceration in and of itself. It could be the one domino that all the other dominoes collide with. And the next thing you know, you know, you're feeling so bad financially that you're starting to go back to using, stealing, and now you're in jail again. And, you, you know, you're sitting there thinking, well, how did I spiral down? Well, you know what? One of the main contributing factors might have been you didn't manage your finances very well and your emotions and everything else followed that. So that's kind of a concept of what we call self-care. And self-care, as we discussed in our other episodes, is a part of relapse. It's the first stage. So if you see somebody and you're a family member and they're not managing their finances well and they're in early stages of recovery, first stage, um, you, you, you could pretty much expect that they're on the first phase of a relapse. Okay, you add that to nutrition and other self-care items and they start to stack up. But their ability to manage their finances is one of the first steps towards relapse. It's called self-care. And if you have any questions regarding that, go to our Family Solution Final Learning series and take uh, the three stages of relapse and it's discussed in there. So let's do the math. Okay, credit cards. Boy, it seems like a funny story, but um, a second lieutenant, sergeant says, sir, you need to counsel this one private. Not that I'm better than the person, but so they, they came into my office and we sat down and, and I said, so show me your checkbook. And he showed me his checkbook. And you've probably heard this story as a joke and I kind of thought it was a joke too, but sure enough, the person said it and they meant it. And they said, I got plenty of money. Look at how many checks I've got here. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, here we are. Um, we got a lot to learn. So I'm assuming that you're a little bit more advanced than that. I don't think it's a safe assumption. But it may not be when it comes to credit cards. Interest rates on credit cards really hurt. Okay, they're up to around, in some cases, 29% of the balance that you're carrying forward. So you're paying off them charging you for holding their money in your position of debt. Boy, I'll tell you, you know, Dave Ramsey would say not a good idea in terms of financial counseling. And I would agree. Um, the smart move is you don't have credit card debt. The smarter move is you use credit cards with the knowledge and the resources to pay off the balance before you're charged an interest rate, which means before the billing date comes due, you pay off the amount every month. If you use a card, pay it off before the bill date is due. And so for that reason, you might be moving money around from weekly paychecks and a dangerous world to live in because we always make poofahs and the next thing you know, uh, it's a problem. Um, transferring funds, you'll see that they'll send that to you in the mail. Uh, transfer your fund to our credit card and um, you know, we'll, we'll give you, you know, 18 months interest free. Um, you need to kind of like map out the math on that depending on your debt, because often what they'll say is there's a 5% service fee on however much you're transferring up to say, they'll let you transfer $2,000, let's say. So with that in mind, you got to figure out if you left it alone, you know, where would you be? If you did this, where would you be? Or if you did that and you paid it off before the final date of the interest free, how would that benefit you? So you kind of run some what if scenarios uh, on a piece of paper with a stubby pencil, and an eraser, 
Uh, you always need a racer. So the, the cons are explained here. Late payments are certainly it. Uh, they'll, they'll hit you with a late payment, $30 on top of your interest, on top of your principal balance. Now it's really starting to hurt you. It's really starting to you know, stick it to you in the stomach. Um, the, the, the problem with having credit cards is there is pure pressure to use them. Society pressures you to use them. Your friends will pressure you to use them. Oh, come on, let's go out. You know, we're going to go to the mall. And then you're there and they say, oh, this blouse would look, or this shirt would look, or these shoes would look. You know, you, and, and then you're, just use your credit card. You've got a credit card, don't you? Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. What a, what, a, what a nasty situation to be in, to be honest with you. I mean, socially, it's like, you know, you tend to think how easy that conversation just like assimilates itself, and, but how detrimental it is. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, not being a very good friend. I mean, why would your friend tell you how you should use your credit card or how you should be spending your money? You know, a, a good friend would probably say, that blouse looks really good on you. You know, if it's something you can afford. And then just say, no, probably not. And just leave it at that. Okay, you don't have to say, oh, well, I can't afford it. I'm just a bad person or, you know, I'm not as rich as you are. You don't you have to admit all that. But you do in the final throws have to say, that's not in my budget, you know. And I'm a responsible person to myself. This is called self-esteem. This is called self-imaging. And when you go against that, I guarantee you, your self-esteem will drop. And when your self-esteem drops, you're going to become more vulnerable to all the negative factors that are around in your life. Don't do it. Be the captain of your ship. Steer it in the right direction. Understand your finances. Your finances are your rudder to your boat. It will take you where you want to go. But you've got to turn it in the right direction each time and navigate the course that you're on financially, emotionally, relationships, resources, time. All of these come into play when you're talking about credit cards. Are credit cards a relationship? <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Yeah, actually, you know, they, they, they are. You have a relationship with your finances, believe it or not. Uh, for most of us, it's a love-hate relationship. Love the money, hate when it's not there, or hate when it's penalizing me because of the way that I mismanaged it. Um, so with that in mind, paychecks. Do the math. You've got a gross. I earn, say, $224 a month, a week. The federal government takes out $17 of that. The state takes out another $6 of that. FICA takes out another $13.89 out of that. Medicare takes out another $3, therefore your net wage, remember we started with gross, your net wage is 183. You started with 224, taxes, and by the way, if you vote wrong, you're at fault for that. But the fact is, taxes and gets you down to net wages. And net wages, that's your reality of what you have. Don't tell people, I earned $60,000, okay? I mean, excuse me, don't tell yourself I earned $60,000. Tell yourself I net, and use those words, I net fifty-eight dollars or $57,000. And I gross sixty. Start to use the word gross and net. 
and you'll be in a much more realistic way with yourself. You have to tell other people that, but you yourself use a, that vocabulary and you'll be a lot better off. So on page 119, you actually can write in, you know, what is your reality? And then, you know, transportation, boy, it really gets expensive. The, the miles driven and the gasoline gallons, well, you start to say, oh, I'd love to take that job, but it's over on the other side of town. And, well, the other side of town for some towns is pretty far away. And, and so you need to calculate how many miles is it? Oh, well, it's, you know, it's, it's 48 miles away. Okay, well, how much do I get on a gallon of gas? Well, I typically get, in that kind of traveling, 20 miles a gallon. Okay, so how many gallons are you using up? Okay, well, you know, I'm using up about two gallons to get there. Okay, how much does a gallon of gas cost? Okay, well, now you've got an idea as to, based on your miles per gallon and the cost of gas, how much your transportation gas will cost. See, because it's numbers, you can figure it out. So, bank accounts. Do you know where your routing number is on your bank account? Come on, let's get savvy here. Game on. It's at the bottom. It's at the lower left bottom. Do you know what your checking number is? Well, it's the same as the one that's up in the right-hand corner of the check, but it's in the middle of those numbers, and you, they show you on page 121 where that looks and what it looks like. And then your account number. These are the numbers that sit at the bottom of your check. It's a routing number first, check number second for that check, and then the account number. <clears throat> now, when you're looking at things like banks, you know, they, you just got paid from your job. You have a paycheck and it's $217. You, you did some yard work and received a, a personal check for 35. Your brother borrowed 100 and he gave it to you, uh, gave, and gave you a, a $50 bill towards what he owed you. You go to the bank to deposit this money you need to keep $15 for spending cash. Complete the deposit slip. Okay, so you fill in the date. You fill in the cash amount to deposit. You fill in the check amount from, you know, like the check that you received. You have to sign it at the top. And then um, you add the cash in on the cash section of the deposit slip. Then you subtract any cash you're receiving back. I'm taking back 15 from this total. And that gives you the total of the net deposit know how to do your banking, okay? Don't go in there embarrassed that you don't know. Ask, ask the new accounts person to explain to you the process of filling out a banking sheet. You won't have to be told many times, but maybe two, three times, but you'll get it. So what about if things just don't go right for you? Well, for all of us, they don't. I mean, I know very few people who have never failed in their finances. Um, so with that in mind, credit repair is a reality and it is available to you. Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian are the three credit agencies and they get reports from all credit cards, all financial institutions, not all, but meaning you know, all the ones that report. And they add that into your credit score. And um, for that reason, if you've done things that like you never paid off a loan, you failed on a loan, you've got a whole bunch of late payments. This is showing poor management on your part, or I should say on that person's part, for, the, for how they're managing their finances. And Big Brother, if I look at it that way, uh, is watching. But to heck with that, you're watching. You don't need anybody else watching you. You know what's going on before they do. 
So you should be able to, you know, really understand how you got there. And therefore, when you go to uh, start to maybe meet with a counselor on repairing your credit, there are going to be some really obvious steps of things that you're going to have to do. More than likely, you'll have to sacrifice certain expenses in order to pay for the past debt that you're currently experiencing that's causing you a bad credit score. Or the reason is that you need credit repair. So don't be embarrassed about credit repair. Manage it. Don't be embarrassed about not knowing how to fill out the bank statements. Manage it. You get the bank statements in the mail, go down, sit down with your new accounts person. Usually they're nicely dressed and they're very polite people. They'll typically give you a cup of coffee and, and, and go through your statement and say, please explain to me exactly what this statement says to me. They'll be delighted to do that for you. And you can do it more than once, as many times as you need, in order that it becomes your ability to manage your finances. So we're not going to get into investments and things of that nature or puts and, and calls and <laughs> things on Wall Street, you know. Well, watch The Wolf of Wall Street. You'll get it from there. But the fact is, we can, we can really take advantage of who we are, and it does affect us. It affects our ability to um, recidivism uh, of the problem that we might have come out of. Uh, it affects our growth. It affects how attractive we might be to others in terms of uh, future relationships. Uh, there's just so many aspects of ourselves that's wrapped up into finances. That's why I'm telling you, you have a relationship with finances, whether you want to or not. You know, that's up to you how well that relationship goes. That's the good news. So with that in mind, I want to thank you for listening to this episode on the voice of families and addiction episode for finances and financial management. If you have any questions you'd like to talk, just give me a call. My name is Roy Poyan, and I can be reached at 440-385-7605. Thank you, and God bless you. Stand up for yourself, and I'll back you up. Because problems don't solve themselves I'll tell you what Instead of would or could I think you should Draw a line in the sand and stand your ground It's for your own good <laughs>